0: Hello all, and welcome to the Insight of an Author podcast. This is where you can begin or embellish your journey with host Ibitola Ajaye Adebayo as she brings you real experiences and share tips to complete your path to professional fulfillment from the insight of an author by learning from those who have faced the best and worst of circumstances on their publishing journeys. For authors and book lovers, she's a mind that's been let loose to the world Travel with her and discover another dimension to writing.
1: Welcome to the Insights of an Author Show, Episode 7. I'm your host, Ibutola Ojoy Adebayo, and I'm an award winning author of the Septon series. On the show with me today is also my co host, Blue Level. Say hi, Blue. Hello. as you may all know by now the aim of the show is to bring to you insights from authors and publishers all around the world last week I stopped at Louisville in Kentucky and brought to you an interview with Ronnie J who from humble beginnings to a successful marketing professional Ronnie J strives to bring issues to the forefront that repeatedly trouble young black girls on their path to personal success if you did get the opportunity to catch this episode I hope you were able to take away useful tips to use as you went about your week. Please note, if you missed any of our previous episodes, you can still catch up by visiting my website, which is www.ioidebio.co.uk, or our channels on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube,
2: and Stitcher. On
1: this week's episode, I'll be covering our topic of the week, titled, Blue?
2: Is Creativity... A genetic trait.
1: Right. Also, this week, um, our stopping gap is Hawaii, where I'll be bringing you an interview with Roy Hoff. Roy is a research scientist, author, and teacher who overcame the hardship of a family plagued by severe poverty and mental illness. Um, so, so that's basically what we'll be covering today. As Blue said, our topic of the week is create is creativity a genetic
2: trait yeah i don't know oh. if there is a yes or no answer to that and you probably do because you decided on the topic but i'm gonna <laughs> get i'm gonna guess that the answer is yes but not completely reliant on genetics i'm gonna have a guess that it has to do with your upbringing but i'm sure you know exactly okay and you
1: Yeah, exactly. Many people have debated, many people have debated whether creativity and the creative thinking is an inheritance um, trait or a learned trait. Um, And I've kind of pulled out uh, research and content from both sides of the fence. So yeah. So in a way, is creative talent, be it a novelist, musical or artistic, something that you're born with? Or is it something that anyone with practice and dedication can acquire? So the first research I pulled up um, is um, the University of Connell. Um, um, some scientists there, two years ago, found that individuals who are artistically creative has a specific genetic characteristics that, that may that enhance their creative ability. So the idea that uh, we're connected to our individual creative talent through our personal genetic build can be a very scary concept for some, and a quite exciting concept for others what do you think some people kind of excited it doesn't really
2: bother me either way i i don't <laughs> i like to think i've i've got at least average in my creativity so and in the end it's not going to it's not going to blow me out of the water whatever the answer is
1: mm. i with with me i think i might have, i believe i've inherited inherited some part of me some my creativity i have inherited it from my my mom but i also think I've, there's some stuff i've learned along the way
2: I, yeah i don't i don't know if um like when i think of my parents i don't think of creativity um i mean my mom she quilts and that's that's got to be something but um that's not what we spend a lot of our time doing doing creative <laughs> things and whatnots so mm-hmm. I, I like to think my most of my creativity comes from having to find out what to do when I was bored. It comes from boredom. Um, so a, a lot of my upbringing.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, like some of us might believe that because our parents weren't creative or artistic, that we simply would have little talent in the, these areas as well. However, creativity is found to run deeper than one generation. So creativity. When I think of
2: my grandparents. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Uh, I Sometimes think, I still think of, of quilting. I still think of quilting. So,
1: <laughs> does your does your grandma quilt?
2: She does. My grandmother and my mom quilt together.
1: Uh huh. About your sister,
2: she's. I mean, she's nine, but you know, okay. She, <laughs> only two more years until she's quilting, I guess.
1: Like. <laughs> um, I came across an interesting example um, on the uh, ZazainLife.com website. And basically, um, on this website, they were talking about Mozart and his lineage, um, his lineage. Lineage. Yeah. <laughs> Mozart uh, was the son of Leopold Mozart, a German composer, a conductor, educator, and violinist. Uh, and apparently, after some research, it was found that Mozart family family's creative and artistic momentum didn't fully come into swing until... Um, Leopard steps into the picture. So he was born in November 1719 9, to um, Johann George Mozart and Anna Maria Solzar. So um, George, uh, who's a bookbinder, and Anna, which is, which is, well, very little is known about Anna other than she raised eight children. <laughs> Their relatives in the Mozart family were all labourers, including bricklayers and farmers. So it seems that it wasn't until uh, Leopold who sang in the church choir that the creative forces kind of hit home. Um, So after uh, after Leopold, Wolfgang Amadeus had eight children for whom over half were verified musically inclined. So this kind of paints a picture if creativity hit a critical mass after Leopold propelled by Wolfgang. So literally it looks as if it skipped his grandparents, well, because his grandparents were bricklayers and um, <laughs> bookbinders, mm. and it kind of jumped onto his dad. So that's basically looking at it in the genetic part of part of things. Um, yeah, interesting. I never recent I came across was Frankenstein. Have you, you you've read the Frankenstein? You've read the book.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm not sure if I've read the book by Shelley. Definitely haven't read the book, but I have Watch seen the cartoons. It. So,
1: <laughs> right, um, there was an art. Well, there was an article published last year by the by the Atlantic, which uh, which was titled "Can Creativity Be Learned?" Uh, and the author um, um, cited an intriguing tale of a budding 19th century writer. The article tells the tale of Mary Wollstonecraft-Godwin, who later infamously became Mary Shirley. Uh, She woke up um, uh, frightened at 2 a.m. on June June 16, 1816, after having quite a vivid dream, which showed her terrifying visions. So this kind of also boils down to, with me, I get my ideas through dreams. So I see where she's coming from with this. And apparently, um, Shelley said, um, "I saw with shut eyes, but acute mental vision. I saw the pale, st- I saw the pale student of unhallowed arts kneeling beside the thing he had put together." So that's quoted from Mary Shelley.
2: I, I definitely, if I had to side with one, and like I said before, I think it's a mixture of both. If I had to mm-hmm. side with one, I, I would say it's learned over genetic, but. <laughs> It is both. Um, I didn't have much. Yeah. I didn't have much to say on the first part about Mozart because I was like, "eh, that one doesn't really hit <laughs> home with me." But that that definitely uh, rung that true. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would say it's more learned than it is genetic. Now, there's probably um, a tipping point in in the genetic part where some people just can't. And Um, I'm sure there are examples of that. I can think of examples of people who just really can, like uh, Asperger's, right, the type of autism. They, Mm -hmm. normally they have one thing that they are just excel at amazingly. Exactly. Mm Yeah, and I I know someone, I don't want to, his name's Frank, and we don't know his last name because we don't need to say it, but... um, he grew, amazing musician, but he was always kind of off. And it took me a while. And eventually, I found out. Turns out he he had Asperger's, and it mm-hmm. didn't. You know, it's just amazing the, the things he did because he obsessed over um, learning music.
1: Exactly. There's. I've come across the good side of um, uh, um, actually having creativity. Brought down to you from genet- uh, from genetics as well as the ones learn. Then you also have kind of the dark side. While well, speaking, I'll we talking about the dark side of um, creativity in the second half of the show? Uh, like, like you said before, with uh, so, um, for example, with May- Mary, she- uh, with Mary Shelley, um, she felt her writing was kind of inspired uh, by the perfect environmental soap of ghost stories and discussion with her housemates. Um, on electrical experiments so I think those were because of those discussion it's kind of put ideas in her head so I think uh, when she, during that period of time when she fell asleep um, there was kind of like a, um, a large um, uh, intense summer, summer storm going on so I think this kind of added to the whole intensity of her dream which kind of led to her having that dream I think based on what her heard her housemates discussed, the um, what was going on physically around her at that point in time with the storm, and then her falling asleep. So which kind of put ideas in her head. So in a way, she so in a way that creativity part of her was kind of learnt. So it wasn't that she inherited it from her parents or grandparents or anything.
2: Mm. I also know someone who was obsessed with you too, because. Uh, I guess it's just how how he ended up, um, wh- what he ended up pointing towards. One one guy I knew was loved music. The other one loved U uh, two and Bono. Ah, I've been Oh, U two. Do they still exist? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Don't don't <laughs> okay. say that around him though. He, they okay. They are alive and kicking. They played a show recently in Chicago. Uh, oh, are, did they? They're very big still, apparently
1: ah when did i hear from when did i hear anything about you two but were, were they in live aid back in the days were they what in live aid is it live aid the one with michael jackson and all the musicians
2: oh i don't know couldn't tell you ah uh,
1: <laughs> right so that's what i've got to um talk about for this first half of the show what's next blue
2: Next is question and answer time, and mm-hmm. I'm going to read the questions to you, like usual. So, uh, cool. first question is from Sandra, and Sandra has been trying to put pen to paper for a couple of months now, but just can't start writing. Uh, her mind just goes blank. So, what inspired you to write your first book? And she is from Hackney, UK.
1: Well, writing my first novel was a way of freeing up my mind. So having just given birth to my first child, I thought the whole world was kind of getting in a, in a little tiny box with me and was squeezing me in. I just couldn't breathe. <laughs> so one day I was reading an article in a magazine We kind of talked about, talk about different forms of therapy. And the one, the, one that caught, the one that caught my eye was writing your thoughts and feelings down and decluttering your brain from unnecessary things that shouldn't be controlling your life. So I kind of, I started applying this technique that very day. Um, and I just kept writing and writing every spare moment I got. By the time I kind of reached chapter nine of acceptance, um, I couldn't believe I was actually writing a book. So I, in a way it helped me, as I thought, it helped me start feeling a bit better and I felt lighter. So it was quite an intense process. So my readers, um, the positive feedback I've had received since publishing my first novel, Acceptance, were the, also the inspiration behind the second novel. So, so far, writing the sequel and publishing it has been a whole lot of fun. So I hope that answers your question, Sandra. Yeah. And Any then, yep. And
2: then, one more. And uh, uh, it's from Tunday, right, Tunde, right, to UNDE. T U N D E, Tunde.
1: Tunde,
2: and. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and uh, when uh, when Tunde read your book, Acceptance, um, he couldn't quite place it into one specific genre for some reason. Uh, was this on purpose on your part when you wrote the book?
1: um yes Tinda, you're correct when i started penning the acceptance it was supposed to be a romantic tragedy but by the time i finished the book i realized it could be classed in several genres such as dramatic romance suspense and thriller because acceptance kind of touches on many issues that people deal with in life uh it's gripping and intense so just when you think you know what direction it's going to the book cat- catapults you into another direction so you kinda get a little bit of everything well, you kinda get a little bit of everything of acceptance. So yeah, so Tunde is right that and um, he's unable to kind of pull it in one specific journal.
2: Yeah.
1: Any more questions, Blue?
2: No, well yes, actually one from me. Um when authors write a book ah. and you're an author, so you'll mm-hmm. you'll probably know the answer, do you write it with the mindset of, Oh, I can't go there, it will not be a romantic comedy or it won't be a this or that or do you write the book and go oh that looks like it turns out to be a mystery I didn't know I was writing a mystery so do do people try to do authors normally put themselves in a genre and write to it or do they write and go oh look this is the genre it's in
1: um, with me because I when I started that sentence I was a newbie so I guess with other authors, established authors, I must, they must have decided what genre they're going to write because you have to decide what direction you're going in to do. Uh, with me, I, when I started writing, it was by accident. So I didn't really ha- have a specific genre that I wanted to write in. I grew up loving horror. So, so when I started putting pen to paper, it, it was just a form of kind of relieving my mind but in a way, I realized I was changing a lot of things, and it was I was getting excited about what I was writing. so I was thinking, okay, um, there's a bit of romance in it, but i I'm not too, I'm not the typical romantic. I like something exciting, and I'm very into my gothic theme. so that's why I thought, okay, I could write a romantic tragedy because when I'm looking back I had I had a story to tell, so that's why I wanted to write along that direction but with me when i wrote acceptance it just ended up being in it just ended up being placed in so many other genres but i would say basically if you ask me um, romantic tragedy is my thing and that's what i plan to write going forward and that's what i would basically still put a sentence in if you get what i mean so so that's the plan I th- with me, I've still got other projects on the pipeline, like books. And um, I think the the ones I've got in the pipeline are more along the direction of adventures. So, yeah. well, I think with authors, you can write in any genre you want if you have the creativity to build on that story. So, yeah. Does that answer your question, Blue? Or was I just rambling on?
2: What it's not called ramblings anymore. It's called what? Insights. <laughs> Insights. Okay. Yeah, I know. I don't. I wouldn't say you were rambling. It was more insightful. It was you're being an insightful author. Okay. It's not really rambling. <laughs> cool. Um. Yeah, that answered my question. But now we're gonna move on to an interview <laughs> with Rory Huff. Ah, oh,
1: but we um let. We could, let me just remind everyone, all my lovely listeners, if you do have any questions you want my little insights to, uh, feel free to email me um, at the, uh, email me the Insights of an Author Show at insight at ioadabaya.co.uk, that's insight at ioadabaya.co.uk. So you were saying blue.
2: We're, yeah, we're moving okay. on to the interview with Roy Huff, author of the Everville series.
1: Yay! <laughs> um, I'm a very big fan of Everville. Um, do you, did you know that,
2: Blue? <laughs> did, don't even know what Everville is.
1: Ah, then you should. <laughs> um, yep, yeah, I had an interview earlier today with Roy Huff. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I was lucky to catch up with Roy Huff. He's a research scientist, author, and teacher who overcame the hardship of a family plagued by severe poverty and mental illness. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I was lucky to catch up with Roy Huff. Uh, Roy is a research scientist, author, and teacher who overcame the hardship of a family plagued by severe poverty and mental illness. I can't wait for us to hear from this amazing author. Um, This is one author whose books have been cutting into my spare time big time. His current series, Everville, is freaking amazing. The series is constantly being a bestseller, being a bestseller, his talent and imagination shines through in every paragraph and character. So let's check it out. Hello all, I'd like to introduce to you our future guest for this week on the Ramblings of an Author show, Roy Hoff. Roy is a research scientist, an author and a teacher who overcame the hardship of a family plague by severe poverty and mental he- illness he has earned five degrees in four different disciplines spanned liberal arts history education and geoscience my lovely listeners this is someone you truly can learn something from today so i can't wait to get stuck into this interview so to begin roy please can you tell my lovely listeners a little bit about yourself who is the real roy hoff <laughs>
3: so you may answer that first question
1: yes please
3: Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I, I grew up on, on the East Coast um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, when I was 17, after I graduated high school, um, I moved to Honolulu, Hawaii to go to college. Um, I wasn't able to finish right away, I did several things for the next 10 years, uh, and then I decided to go back to school and over the course of about six years. Uh, I earned five different degrees, um, and I did uh, different types of work in research and education. Um, and around uh, my fourth degree, I started writing, and um, I've I've been in teaching now for several years, and so that's what I'm working on at the moment. I'm working as a scientist, a teacher, and as a writer.
1: Oh, that's that's great. Another question I'd like to um, ask you, um, ha- you: you you like you said you moved to Hawaii. Um, to go to college, but you moved it. You moved to Hawaii with just a hundred dollars um, in your pocket, and uh, to start a new life. Um, how has that move impacted your life today?
3: Okay, so you were saying. Okay, so you were saying how how did uh, moving to Hawaii with a hundred dollars in my pocket impact my life today? Mhm. Well, um, it it made me work really hard. Uh, that's the big thing. You know, I didn't have a lot of. Uh, money. I didn't have a lot of connections um, and I had to figure things out on my own uh, and I kind of got a jump start on that in high school um, just the, the way that my situation was. So I wasn't really afraid to try to do things out on my own. Um, I could take risks uh, but I, I, I really had to rely on myself and to figure things out and just to try as hard as I possibly could. So it helped me develop a lot of uh, patience. Um, it made me um, spend time thinking about uh, and planning about um, what I wanted to do. Uh, so I think uh, that it's, it's actually been uh, a benefit to me um, in my life.
1: Wow. And um, I don't know if you've got kids. It's um, what, you, what that life lesson you've, you've, you've learned, along the way how has it impacted on you teaching your kids if you've got any at the moment is it something you is it something that's a turning point when it comes to to your kids and how you've laid down that life lesson to them how to work hard for what they and what they need in life
3: Uh, yeah actually I do I have a a 16 year old daughter Um, so I I tell her all the time um, the challenges that I've had to face in my life Um, and you know, sometimes you you hope that they actually um, <laughs> you know learn those lessons that you're trying to teach them, so they don't have to go through uh, similar challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me, um, I did benefit from not having a lot. You know, a lot of people. Um, my daughter knows a lot of people who have a lot of money, and she uh-huh. a lot of times expects to get things easily without having oh. to work for them, uh, and she doesn't see uh, sometimes how uh, most people have to live uh, and struggle, and so, you know, I'm always trying to impart to her um, those lessons, you know, that um, you have to take responsibility for your life, um, and that, you know, there there comes a point where you can't blame other people for your choices, and you just have to to push past um, the issues and challenges that you face uh, and use those challenges as an opportunity to develop a character and skills that you wouldn't otherwise learn.
1: I, t- I totally agree. Um, I've got three kids. With my eldest daughter, I keep telling her, Mummy's not a bank. You need to work for <laughs> what you want, like Mummy did. So I tend to kind of give her little cures to do for her to earn, you know, something in return. So kind of, you know, use her mind, work to get what she wants, not just expect things for free. So I totally agree with you. Um, Another question I would love to ask you. And it's this. Um, the uh, The Everville series, which is your current publications, captured my attention on Instagram a while back when I came across the amazing cover for the first book, The First Pillar. Uh, the fan- fantasy is my favourite genre to read. So when it comes to the cover of my fantasy books, um, the book cover must be talking to me in some way for me to even bother to pick it up. Uh, but when I saw the first pillar, I felt I, w- it, I felt the book cover was talking to me and I was kind of mesmerised. And I wanted to know a bit more. And luckily, you were offering a free download. Um, there was a promo-, promo going on on Instagram and I downloaded it that day. And I was hooked. I'm just telling you, I was hooked that day. And my question is this: what um, What made you decide to pen down the Everville series?
3: Well, um, I was actually working on um, my fourth degree, and mm-hmm. I had to take a um, an English class. I was taking a creative. Um, I was take I was doing a creative writing paper for the English class, and. Um, the paper that I wrote was called Everville mm-hmm. and it was just a three-page paper and we had to, part of the assignment was to share with other people in the class um, the, the paper that we had written and to get uh, criticism from them uh, to help approve it. Um, and I had several people said that they, you know, they read it and they would like to read an entire book about Everville. And I just thought to myself, you know, I, I could do that. I don't see any reason why I couldn't do it, and so that was the reason that got the idea in my head to actually make a book about Everville. So the first chapter was actually a paper that I did for mm-hmm. my degree in school.
1: Wow, um, the series, to be honest, um, could actually stand um, could actually be standalones. I've noticed, even though they kind of refer to the back to the characters in the previous uh, books. They still kind of go as standalone standalone books, so um, I I think the books are amazing. <laughs> um, another another question I would love to ask you is this: um, right, having read the first three installments of the Everfield series, and now been uh, I was literally looking forward to the fourth book, and I was kind of. Um, Going through my Instagram like usual, and um, one of your posts came up, and it came and the fall uh, the fall of breaking bone was out, <laughs> which is number four, um, which is the latest series. So I must say it was worth the wait. Um, I like to be honest. I like the unique and the creative premises you kind of put into the two worlds, um, namely the Eastern Fall University and the New England in New England and the magical Everville. So with, with the protagonist, my hero, Owen Sage, um, as he travels between the two worlds. So in a way, there's no surprise that Everf- Everville series is constantly uh, being a bestseller uh, because the talent and the imagination um, shine, kind of shines through every chapter. And, you know, literally I'm I feel as if I'm falling into the world every time I read the book. So can you please tell me what the new part in Breaking... This new part, the Breaking Bone series, The Fall of Breaking Bone, what is it bringing to the table for our protagonist, Owen Sage?
3: Okay. Well, I don't want to give away too much. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> he, he, he finds a little bit more about his history mm-hmm. um, and why he... Uh, Has been chosen, if you will, to go on his quest. So that's one of the big things. He finds out a little bit more about his father, the history of his father, Um, and there's some other characters that also um, find out a little bit more about themselves as well. Um, There's a little bit more uh, um, gray, I guess you could say. That's that's thrown into the mix in terms of who the bad guys are and who who the good guys are. Um, there's a little bit of historical fiction that's thrown in there for good measure. So I think there's a lot of interesting things um, that that people will find uh, in the fall of Ball.
1: Oh, great! I, I, I totally feel all my listeners should check your books out on Amazon. Um, I've got all the series on my Kindle, so really excited. <laughs> our topic um of this a <laughs> topic of this week is um because we cover a topic for the week and it's for this week is is creativity a genetic trait do you or do you agree with that or disagree with that and why
3: um yes to a certain degree but uh you know i think creativity is something that can be developed even though it may not necessarily be something that comes natural um, and I think that's the case with a lot of different things um, my father had some creative talent uh, he um, was a, an artist you know and, and I also uh, have done some drawing and, and painting on my own as well um, so there's a little bit of creative talent on my on my father's side um, but you know it's it's kind of like um, a muscle you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it can be exercised and it can be increased you know if you work at it um so i think i think everybody has creative potential uh, i think it comes it comes down to um practicing that and learning that um and th- there's also um techniques that can be learned um so it's it's it it Uh, Some of it is, you know, purely creative, but there is also uh, certain things that you can learn, um, even if you think that you don't necessarily have any natural um, creative skill.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I've got three kids with my eldest. I've noticed um, when it comes to her formation of words and writing formation of stories, I've realized she's gotten that from me which is quite strange compared to the other two. She's the one that's gotten that from me. And I didn't, I personally didn't actually realize it was a genetic trait, but her interest in stories and everything is the way I was when I was quite young. So I kind of tried to develop that in her since I've noticed it. Uh, So yeah, (laughs) and she's, she's read the first pillar. She's nine and she's actually read the first pillar and she loves it that's for my nine-year-old daughter (laughs) stamp that (laughs) Um, and always finally I just want to ask what is next for Roy Hoff? what should we expect after I know we've just got book four is there is there another part coming in the near future (laughs)
3: um, yes absolutely I'm I'm planning on doing four more books in this series so yes um, there's there's (laughs) there's seven pillars of truth and i'm gonna split the um the last pillar into the seventh pillar into two parts um so i'm uh, hopefully i want to get um uh, the the fifth installment out uh, sometime um, next year maybe mm-hmm. a late spring or early summer mm-hmm. but i have started to write um another book and i have a couple of books actually that i'm i'm working on oh. and i have several other ideas so um i'm working on a. Uh, i'd like to do a, a dream series um a, a kind of urban fantasy science fiction uh story about um a high school uh boy who uh can't control his
0: dreams um cool so
1: it's it's kind of it's sound there's a
3: little bit of inception there if you've seen that movie but, oh yes i've uh, seen it um, but but I, I think it, it, it's going to be different and, and I it'll it'll have a little bit more of a positive spin I
1: think uh-huh. um, And then there's
3: a cup I'm working on a, a, a futuristic sci-fi um, novel as well. I'm still trying to get down the specific storyline that I'm thinking about but what I would like to do with the science fiction is something that I've seen similar, with a, a movie that just came out, uh, produced by Ridley Scott, with *The Martian*, mm-hmm. um, and that's a positive outlook in the on the future. You know, I grew up um, watching *Star Trek* and, and all of those um, those shows, and one of the things that I did like was that you know you did have uh, in the traditional classic sci-fi, um, you had a positive vision of the future mm-hmm. and you know now there's you know the, the dystopian genre is really popular but I think it's kind of taken away to a certain degree from that classic kind of sci-fi genre uh-huh. so I would like to do something in that vein um, uh, futuristic sci-fi um, novel um, so that's something that I'm looking at doing. Um, as well as the dream novel or dream series, I haven't decided if it's going to be a, a single book or a trilogy. But those are two ideas that I'm that I'm working on.
1: I am excited already, <laughs> especially especially the dream series. I am excited. Um, I noticed you've got a science background. Yeah, does that that has that been the determinant in the genre in which because it kind of looks like it has. <laughs> The, uh, the genre in which you've decided to write in so your background your background your educational background and what you've studied is as that's the uh, you side know, I, I
3: think I, I it's definitely made a, a big impact i mm-hmm. mean, i and it's not just science too i mean i i love science fiction i mean i'm a huge mm. science fiction mm-hmm. fan you know i mentioned that i've seen Star Trek. I've seen yeah. every single episode of every single series and every movie probably several <laughs> times. Uh, and I I I watch every single science fiction TV show that comes out. And, you know, I mean I've gone through them all down to the point where I'm looking up, you know, the kind of B minus grade ones, not just in the U.S., but, you know, in, in Australia and Canada in New Zealand and, and the U.K. and all of those. Wow. Um, so <laughs> I, I have a pretty good uh, exhaustive um, idea and, uh, uh, you know, about the genre.
0: Um, and hook. I love
3: fantasy, too. You know, I love fantasy. I'm a huge Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings fan. Mm-hmm. Um Mm-hmm. I, I was really when I was in high school. I read uh, a series called the Prydain Chronicles, which I really loved. Um, so anything in those two genres, I mean, I just I really enjoy. Um, but I'm not I'm not preventing myself or, or keeping myself from writing in other genres too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I am considering branching out into uh, more mainstream um, action, mystery, suspense. Uh, so those are something, uh, some things that I'd like to, to work on in the future
1: as well. That would be cool to see, to kind of see your interpretation on those side of things because we know you, we know how well you're doing with the fantasy genre. It's like I'm, I love the Everville. You don't understand how much I love the Everville series. Oh. <laughs> um, when it comes to um, how do I put it, the Everville series now. And you've got all these adaptations going around i'm really hoping hollywood has their eyes on this on this everville series you and well, not butch my, it up
3: <laughs> my, my, i i do have a good agent you know his name is peter miller um he's helped get uh, big time hollywood actors mm-hmm. um films to produce uh he he helped he actually got a film uh Produced for uh, Tom Hanks. Ah. Um. So he's he's a huge, uh, he's a huge uh, um, agent out there. So um, he has been in talks with different people. I know he's talking with different publishers and different things. So it's definitely something that um, we're we're trying to get into the works, and so it's just you know it's just a crapshoot about whether you know something actually you know um, gets
1: pinned down or not. Oh, please, please, please do. And the only thing I will ask, don't let them change anything. (laughs) Uh, I hope you're part of the creative process. Please, please, please. Because sometimes they can mess a lot of things up. Don't let them change anything. I love it as it, (laughs) as it is. So who do you see, if it does become, if it does come on the big screen, who do you see in this day and age that could play Owen Sedge?
3: Uh, that's a tough question. You know, I, mean, I, I I there's there's several actors that I like, but uh, I think the, the I think Owen might have to be a completely new actor, someone who's relatively unknown. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. I mean, I could see the supporting cast being people that are that are well known, but uh, I think I think it would probably work better with someone who's not as well known.
1: True, understandable. yeah, I, I I literally can't wait. When I read it, I envision it in front of my TV. <laughs> so I, I just can't wait. So, Mr. Miller, please, we want it on the big screen. <laughs> and finally, Roy, um, where can people find you on the web?
3: Oh, okay. well, i'm I'm everywhere. They can find me on Goodreads uh-huh. um, on Facebook on Instagram yep where I found uh, you <laughs> on, on Twitter um, I have my website owensage.com they mm-hmm. can visit there mm-hmm. uh, and then I have all of my social media links on my website at owensage.com um, and I'm actually running a promotion now I just started it um, you, you can enter to, to do uh, different things um, tweet my tweets or read tweets and then you can get entered to win a $225 Amazon gift card
1: Cool, cool. Are you listening, my lovely listeners? Um, once again, I'll just like to thank Roy Hall for joining me today on the Ramblings of an Author show. And Roy, I wish you every success in the future. And I've got my literally got my fingers crossed here to see the Everville series on my screens in the Odeon Cinema <laughs> over here in the UK. I can't wait. So, thank you so much, Roy, for taking the time out um, to come on my show. So, hope to see. I'll be coming for, um, hopefully, if you do kind of come to the UK, we. I would love to have you in the studio. Is yeah, that a yes? I
3: was just there. <laughs> just there um, 2012, right before the Olympics. So actually, I was in London in ah. 2012. So, like, I, I would like to visit there again.
1: Oh, lovely! I hope so. I've got my fingers crossed, so I can have you on my sofa with me on a one-to-one. <laughs> that would be so, so lovely. But thanks again, Roy, and hope to speak to you soon in the near future. So take care. Bye.
2: Thank you. Bye. Welcome back to the Insight of an Author show. Um, I am <laughs> I am your host, Blue Level, here with Tola. And in this segment of the show, we'll be giving you some facts about books and reading.
1: Yep. So whether you read by a Kindle or an app or any other device or hardcover, here are some facts of interest every book lover will want to know about. Um, my first one today, Blue, is, um, did you know one in five adults around the world cannot read or write, with the highest rates in South and West Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa?
2: How many? One in five? Adults, yeah. Huh. Now, I didn't know, but I believe it. Mm-mm. I totally believe that. Okay, I've got a fact. 17 <laughs> of the top 100 Kindle books in 2012 were self-published. And you were self-published. So that's, mm. I thought that uh, pertained a little bit here. And, and the number gets higher each year. And that was that's from MediaWorks.io. All of my facts because will be yes. coming from there.
1: Because uh, people are finding, that, finding it easier to publish their books now and not going through the long-winded process of having an agent, like over here in the U.K. I don't know how it is over there in the U.S., but over here in the U.K. going through agents, and then if the, is you, you only go through until the next step if the agent likes your book or not, your manuscript or not. If the agent doesn't like your manuscript, then it's rejected. So you never pass that hurdle unless you find um, you get an agent that actually likes the first three chapters of your book and then request to see the whole manuscript. But with self-publishing, you can just do it (laughs) and then put your book out there and just then see what people think. And, yeah, so I think um, self-publishing is a lot of fun. Uh, And I'm thanking God I came across it, so I've not regretted it. So I'm yeah, still quite we'll, happy.
2: we'll see how long that trend <laughs> continues, though, because once everybody starts doing it, it's it's going to get saturated. And yeah. a, f- a few <laughs> are going to rise to the top. So like right because now, you know,
1: rises to the top with self-publishing. Yep. You get the few, but people still used to get the ones that do make it in self-publishing. So it's not all that bad. It depends how you go about marketing your book. Mm. A whole lot of other things, yeah. Another key fact I came across, um, as well as being a real species of scorpion, a book scorpion is someone who's hostile to books or learning. The the phrase was first recorded in 1649 in the work work by poet Andrew (laughs) Marvell. That's funny. A book scorpion.
2: Yeah, I'm going to use that term from now on. It and only and i'm not going to explain it to people so they'll not know if i'm saying a good or a bad thing
1: <laughs> eventually they'll go look it up
2: <laughs> it is predicted that within 3 years 75% of books will be sold online and only 25% in regular bookstores
1: yeah everything's going online now yeah the whole digital age me thinks (laughs) i
2: think it's the digital has taken over (laughs) It's forever it's not even the age there won't be another age it's just the digital
1: um, you never know we can you never know i don't
2: know what's next the
1: future brings no the future could bring us starting from scratch nobody knows the future (laughs) but i think right now yet we're in the digital age and It's a lot easier to go online and just order your books than going into a bookstore, to be honest.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I personally, I go to a library. And, you know, I don't know how often they update their books. But I don't think they're buying very many new books either.
1: No, I think think the number of people going to the library has definitely reduced. Definitely. If
2: I need a book, though, I'm at the library.
1: Mm. But we've got apps now like Kindle and all that um, Kindle that you can actually read um, books off, on, no, book off, off your apps and stuff.
2: Yeah, so you have to pay for it. Just, um.
1: No, you can get free downloads. So not all books you pay for. Some, sometimes you might be lucky to get have a free download of books. So, it's still, well, it's still well I still like the whole physical appearance, the whole... I still love touching books. I love the feel of the paper. So sometimes I love going to the library and just sitting down in the corner and reading books, you know. So, yeah, that's just me.
2: I, I um, love the experience of going to the library. And you know, on the internet, you can find any book, right? But at the library, you you you're like, okay, I'm I've got to go to the science fiction section. So that already uh-huh. nar that already narrows it down. Every single book in the library, and you're at like, ten percent of the books in the library, and then you're like, okay, I want this kind of science fiction book and it narrows it down and you you end up with like three or four that you like the cover of and then you have to choose and you start running out of time you're like oh man i don't know which one i want to read and so you just choose one and you read it and it it turns out good i just i love that i always love that feeling of like i don't know which one and, and just you just grab one because you have to do make a decision. Also,
1: do you determine the books you will read based on their book covers
2: like well, more <laughs> I, Okay so if one has a really good book cover um, mm-hmm. I'm going to notice it And read the Summary um, You know the little teaser I'm going to read that on one that has a good cover Then on one that Say, one yeah. that doesn't mm-hmm. Kind of like a Gary Paulson always has Great covers on his books um, Which mm-hmm. is what drew me to them at first And then I would read the description And want to read the book
1: mm-hmm. Totally agree that's, that's me Through and through Oh, another um, fact I came across: the Japanese word Sudoku. And do you know what it means?
2: Oh man, I know what seppuku means, but that's that's completely different. (laughs) What does that mean? Pretty sure that's ritual suicide. Is it? (laughs) Yeah, where they fall on their swords, right?
0: Ah, for their
2: honor, for their family's honor. You've never heard of that?
0: No. (laughs) Okay,
2: Sudoku. I does it mean? I I don't know. No idea. Soup. Like a soup of words.
1: (laughs) Uh, The Japanese word, Sudoku, means buying a load of books and they're not getting around to reading them. (laughs) That's quite funny. Um, Another fact I came across is the most expensive book in the world costs, in theory, 153 million euros and is only 13 pages long. (laughs)
2: <laughs> what is what is it?
1: The Norwegian translation of the Mister Men book, Mister Bump. It's called Her Dump Dumpy Dump. <laughs> oh God! Um, oh, I came across another one. Um, another word for um, plagiarist. Do you know what that word?
2: Yeah. Do you know is, what? Yeah, I know what it is. Is it thief? like I, I don't know. Is it what? Is the other word thief? Uh, As a synonym, you would think actually
1: is <laughs> another word for plagiarist is sucker. <laughs> the words, the words, first the word was first recorded in print in 1781, and was in reference to booksellers. <laughs> really strange, isn't it? Mm.
2: So now we're going to go back to: Is creativity a genetic trait? And Mm. Somehow we did not go over everything before, because uh, you've no. got, you got more on it.
1: Yes, yeah, I've got the dark side of things now—the dark side of creativity—and because psychologists have established a link between mental illness and creativity, uh, but they are still kind of piercing together the mechanism that underlie it. Uh, there was a, there's a celebrated Norwegian artist called Edvard um, Edvard uh, Munich. Um, his life was fruits with anxiety and hallucinations and uh, the painter he died seventy years seventy years ago today and he created one of the most recognized masterpiece masterpiece in history which is the screen uh, and this came the idea of the this painting came to him in a sinister vision as he stood on the edge of um, of, of whats it called as he stood on the edges of Oslo Ford, Oslo Jord. <laughs> I think that's Norwayan for something.
2: Yeah, you you definitely hear about now that now that you say it, I I, I <laughs> that does make so much sense because you hear with Edvard and um, uh Van Van Gogh, right? He uh, <laughs> <laughs> um you you read stories and and about how he was tortured and and not like not actual physically tortured but mentally. And nobody liked him, and, and he had all these mm. issues, and he did the Starry Night. is I, I would say this is the most famous one, and he, he did many others. Um, so yeah, now that you say that, that does... And uh, who's another one? Um, there's there's an author who reminds me of that. Maybe it was Poe. Poe. Poe, the author.
1: Exactly, yeah.
2: You also hear a lot about him being not exactly sane. So, yeah, so.
1: I think. But wasn't that due because I was watching a documentary on that the other day, and that was that was. I think most of his problem was his father leaving, and also his um, mother being too kind of. She was obsessed and kind of choked him in a way. Do you get what I mean? And I think his granddad was the one that kind of brought him
2: up, because so, he so, went over to his granddad. So but genetic he, or learned?
1: I think it's. Because he's dead. His dad went mental, didn't he? His dad was in a mental home.
2: I I couldn't tell you. I, I knew his his family. There's a lot of issues.
1: Yeah. So his grand he kind of like always went to his granddad's, and his granddad had all this um how do you put it all this um
0: uh,
1: what do you call stuff like witchcraft and
2: well that's weird.
1: Uh, God, that's <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot of um, things on the supernatural. Hmm. A lot of books and um, theories on the supernatural. So he kind of grew up reading it. So he used to love going there to his grandpa's and had all these books on the mystical side of life. Yeah, I think, yeah. So I think part of what he read kind of messed him up a bit as well. Um with uh, going back to Edvard Munich's life, um, here's this extract from what he wrote. The sun began to set, suddenly the sky turned blood red, he wrote. I stood there trembling with anxiety and I sensed an endless scream passing through them passing through nature. Uh, so his painting, the scream, is thought to represent the anguish of modern man, uh, which uh Munich Which munch is not minute, it's munch, which munch experienced deeply throughout his life, uh, but he saw as an indispensable driver of his art. He wrote in his diaries My fear of life is necessary My fear of life is necessary to me as is my illness. They are undistinguishable from me and their destruction will destroy my art. Deep, isn't it?
2: That's the... Uh, well, I... Uh, yes, I'm sure it meant something to him. That kind of just yeah. sounded like a flow of words to me. Um,
1: um, another person was Vincent Van Gogh.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I said earlier, the Van Gogh. Ah,
1: Van Gogh. Apparently he cut off his ear after an mm-hmm. argument with his friend Paul, Paul Gwengen, and he later killed himself. Um, swayed heavily between genius and madness, it states. So uh, these studies find that creatives had an unusual high number of mood disorders, uh, like Charles Dickens was another one, uh, Tennessee Williams and Eugene, Mc- um, Eugene O'Neill all, all appear to suffer from inclined, dep- in, all, um, they kind of all appear to suffer from clinical depression. So that's quite dark actually. So I'll leave my lovely listeners with my final note for tonight. Uh, We all let our brains kind of go on an automatic pilot and we fail to nourish our curious nature. Do not let your creativity go dormant from not being properly exercised and move beyond thinking of creativity as a trait exclusive to children or artists. Instead, embrace your capacity to think creatively, innovatively every single day. So... Well, that's a wrap for me, Ibitola Ojo Adebayo. and my co-host, Blue Level. Like I said, one of the aims of our show is to give you some helpful tips that you can apply throughout the week to your own life as a writer or publisher or as a book lover. The show is also here to bring you insights from authors and publishers all around the world. We look forward to sharing more next time on the Insight of an Author podcast. Apart from, our, apart from getting our show via audio podcast once a week, We'll also be having a special guest in once a month, which will be broadcasted visually to you right here at our studio. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss that one. You also get to see the face behind this voice. So bye bye for now.
0: You've just experienced the inside of an author podcast where you've hopefully gathered some helpful nuggets that you can apply to your own life as a writer or author, or even seen the journey your favourite author may have taken to get your favourite book onto your bookshelf. Inspiration is key to continuing your writing journey and as long as you stay plugged in to an inspiring source, you can be successful in whatever endeavours you seek. We encourage you to give us a positive rating and subscribe to our podcast so you can stay connected and discover more experiences and tips to make your writing journey complete. Lastly, head over to www.ioadebio.co.uk for follow-up notes so you can apply throughout the week until the next episode.